Speaking of anthropology, my name is Dylan. And my name is Kevin. And we are back here on the 29th of October 2021 on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks. And uh, yeah, you know, once again, um, back to our regular schedule of 11 to noon Alaska time, which is, as listeners may well know, not my current time zone anymore, being on the East Coast and broadcasting to you from the Bronx. But uh, Kevin, you're back in Fairbanks. So how's Fairbanks doing today? You know, Fairbanks is really good. Uh, yeah, I love Yeah, I love that opening, Dylan. Sorry, I just got to say, broadcasting from the Bronx, that rhymes perfectly. Now we just need to, um, forecasting from Fairbanks, right? The weather is uh, cloudy with um, moderate temperatures of 20 degrees, I think. Um, not not accurate weather forecast here. Of course, this is speaking of anthropology forecasting. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a little snowy out there, and uh, things are things are good. Uh, how's the broadcast from Bronx uh, weather looking like in New York today? Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. Although I just pulled it up on my phone. Apparently, we have a wind advisory for the Bronx, so I will try not to fly away. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's about. Uh, 55 Fahrenheit right now, so it's not too bad. Pretty cloudy, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's been mostly off and on rainy this week. Although today no rain, tomorrow there will be rain. So yeah, you know, I guess that's uh, it's winter weather of some type. You know, it's not the beautiful snowfall, but I, I guess we will we will get there uh, in the end. In the end, maybe, but we'll see. Wind weather advisories are, um, I think. Yeah, the, I think one of one of my roommates this morning said there was a wind weather advisory here in Alaska as well. And mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe this is, again, we, we always have this conversation about weather, but, uh, you know, like Alaskan weather, when there's extreme heavy snow, it's just another day of work. It's just another day of driving in to classes, right? Um, if you have a uh, extreme weather uh, advisory in New York, I think maybe you might want to read reevaluate <laughs> i think definitely it's it's a little different yeah the way that the infrastructure stands up to everything right can be very different and there's a lot more you know moving parts where like like i'm one of the people who relies on public transit to get around so like if public transit's flooded well i mean that's going to be a big problem for me and millions of other folks right in, in going to work going to school navigating the city so there's a lot of a lot of moving parts you know a lot of stuff to uh to basically weatherproof right so but yeah i'm very curious to see what does and doesn't basically break the city right and like you know how much snow is is fine and what's their snow threshold you know that kind of stuff right because it is different in different places and i'm sure a lot of alaskans know you know we always pay attention to the news stories whenever every couple of years or so like atlanta sees two inches of snow and the whole city shuts down and we're always like oh those poor people they don't even know you know how to how to function with any snow at all is where you know staring out at the the you know two three uh, foot snow drifts so uh, every city has its threshold and fairbanks fairbanks is hardy and i'm very curious to see how new york stacks up to all that for sure <laughs> yes speaking of a, a few inches of snow i 
skiing season is very close here in Fairbanks for a lot of folks and two to three inches that's that's what the groomers for the grooming of the trails the groomers are saying uh that that's when they'll start grooming so I await that day as well I, I await that day I'm sure I'm sure yeah that's that'll be exciting for everyone big day Today on Speaking of Anthropology, it's just Dylan and I chatting it up like good old times. Uh, it's a Friday afternoon. We're going to bring some great tunes to you guys listening here on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks um, and some, you know, good times about what classes are going like. I, that's that's one big thing that I think I don't have to talk about anymore. But Dylan, Dylan does. Dylan sure does. And uh, to all sure of our do. classmates out there and colleagues in the anthropology department and and any department here in U- at UAF or at Columbia now, maybe some listeners there and anywhere else in the world that you're tuning in from. Uh, well, uh, good luck. Midterms are now done. This is the last stretch. Uh, think of think of yourself. Oh, sorry. Think of yourself going on a long hike. This is the last stretch. These are the last two miles. They're going to hurt the most, but you can do it and you're going to finish it. So. Anyways, Dylan, let's let's talk about classes. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah, yeah. begin with telling me a little bit about maybe like what's your like class list? Like what what yeah. courses are you taking uh, to suffice for a master's degree, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I'll start out by saying is that it, we basically flipped because in spring, right, I was um, like doing nothing, right? And <laughs> it wasn't as much the case for you. And now we've... Uh, I mean, not to say you're doing nothing, but like, you know, academically, right? Uh, one of us was in classes, the other wasn't. And then we're just keeping that up. We're just trading off who's in class. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so as as I am now in a master's program, a lot of the stuff is is pretty theory heavy. So my first class, I'll just go in order of what I have them during the week. So my first class um, is dark ecologies. And that is a eco-criticism class. So uh, for folks who aren't familiar with eco-criticism, it's basically analyzing um, literature, uh, media, you know, anything that's that's produced right culturally um, and sort of seeing what it says about ecology, about the environment, you know, analyzing like ecological writings and stuff, how they frame um, the issues, how they talk about the issues. So, you know, it's, so it's like a part of like literary criticism or cultural criticism, right? And that sort of thing, looking at how people are talking about stuff, how they're um, writing about it, how they're framing it, you know, how they define things, that sort of uh, thing. And so approaching it, you know, it, it is, uh, it's <laughs> an interesting thing to study as, as an anthropologist, right? Because, you know, it's um, in and itself, like, you know, I, I don't know many anthropologists who are going to become full-time ego critics or any critic like that. Like that's, that's not why I'm taking it at least. Um, but it is offered through the anthropology department and, you know, it, it it's interesting to see like, you know, a part of anthropology, right. Is thinking about and trying to deconstruct or, you know, understand, get to the core of like beliefs that people have and understand, you know, why they're doing things, what they're doing, what that means, how, you know, it has come to be this way, right? And so to an extent, it's a it's a, a literary orientation of that kind of thing, right? But looking at ecological writings and environmental writings, that sort of thing. So it's been uh, very, very interesting so far. Um, and then I have on my uh, 
next class just to lay them out for you and then we can you know i'm sure you have you'll have your follow-up questions. ecology ecology class sorry the title name mm-hmm. one more time so we can dark ecology dark ecologies all right dark yep. ecology is number one great yeah number one <laughs> and then i have war and social theory um and so that one i think is probably going to be pretty self-explanatory to most folks it's examining um you know basically just war and and social theories about war and uh you know kind of trying to analyze uh conceptions of war how wars are fought how that is shifted right so for example looking at you know the difference and similarities between things like colonial conflicts in africa um in the 19th century right like when france was invading algeria versus wars of liberation in the 20th century when algeria was liberating itself from france right or you know examining the shifts and implications of aerial warfare you know um strategic bombing these sorts of things uh, so for folks who know that i have you know a long-standing interest in history military history uh, this is obviously something that i find very fascinating and you know some very serious topics but some uh, you know very interesting ones to work through and in the different ways that you can do that right um, you know this week looking at urban planning right and how urban planning relates to war within a very specific context so diversity of ways to to tap, tackle that particular topic. Um, and then my final class is, um, so I'm taking three, which is three classes in total, which is technically um, what that fulfills is a half residence unit. And so I need two full residence units to uh, graduate from the master's program. So if I do half a residence unit a semester, then that's a two-year master's program, basically, is how the math works out on that. It is. It took me a little bit of time getting used to thinking about it like that, you know, so... But that's that's how that breakdown is. So my third class is political human animal studies. And so that is um, I think it goes well with dark ecologies, but it's, you know, focused um, not on broader like, you know, humans constructing and talking, writing about the environment or nature. But it's, you know, a little more focused on on specifically humans and animals. Right. And how humans um write about and conceptualize animals, view animals, uh, you know, (laughs) trying to how, uh, you know, struggling to to in various fields, maybe move away from from anthropocentric orientations or trying to understand, you know, how animals perceive the world as humans, you know, these sorts of uh, of interesting and thorny uh, topics. But uh, yeah, that's been that's also been a, a very fun, very fascinating an informative course for sure uh, so yeah that is that is what i am doing for fall of 2021 for my master's program my second semester so technically i'm a first year second semester student even though it's been a year since i started the program but you know that's what i get for taking spring off so yeah, time off leads to time on and time must spent learning and living and experience yeah i agree um yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. These are three very interesting classes. So dark ecology, war and social theory, and then uh, politics of human and animal behavior. Or human Political behavior. human animal studies. Political human yep. animal studies. Very, three very, some I, I would very much say very different, yet have similarities in terms of like themes um anyways let's let's get into it and then of course we will play some music today to our listeners so no worries um but we will talk about these classes because i have questions i have thoughts this is your time as well dylan this is 
today's show is essentially the the hallway chat you know like you know you get out of class and now you're in the hall with your part you know buddy in cl from class right which is in case me but i'm not in your class but i will chit chat with you anyways um <laughs> about anthropology but uh, dark ecologies i just did a quick google search here um timothy morton i believe is that perchance the professor who's teaching the class it's not the professor okay. who's teaching it no but he yeah. we did read some of his works yes he is um you do a, a search is, dark ecology and timothy morton's text comes up first thing yes he is a prominent um person in in that field whether or not you know you agree with him or you're writing um you know uh in opposition to his thoughts because some of his thoughts are uh you know interesting and and some of what he argues for like the one of his um one of his main things that he argues for is the idea of ecology um without nature right so basically um looking at nature as as a concept as a category that is no longer very useful either for understanding um you know the biological world around us and, and you know understanding um the ecosystems that we're in while also and arguably more important to Morton um, it, nature is not particularly useful for trying to protect and preserve uh, you know ecos ecosystems um, you know the environment and not particularly useful uh, in terms of combating the climate crisis so you know protecting nature he doesn't think is um, he doesn't think basically yeah that it works as a very useful category of things anymore to protect and it is you know there's just a lot of a, a lot of very complicated problems that he draws with it um but yeah yeah so he's definitely one of the one of the major thinkers um that we have read a, just a, you know a, a small smattering of some of his stuff um he's he's pretty prolific uh but yeah and so you know there's there's some other stuff too, like um, one of the first things we read was um, a few chapters from Carolyn Merchant's book, The Death of Nature, right, which is another influential sort of um, text in, in eco-criticism and in um, environmental studies and stuff. So yeah, you know, there's, we've even been reading uh, one of my classic old favorites, uh, some Zizek, right? Um, the Slovenian uh, Marxist, neo-Marxist philosopher, uh, Slavoj Zizek. Um, and then, of course, and this should, um, I think, won't suddenly make a lot of sense to people. One of the things we also did one week was we watched uh, the Werner Herzog film Grizzly Man. And then we, uh, you know, we did some readings as well um, on that. And then we talked about that in class. And so that is why, you know, shortly after that, I was like, hey, Kevin, Grizzly Man you know, I think has a lot to say that is interesting for anthropologists. And so we should talk about that on our show as well. Um, so that 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 whole episode and um, that conversation that we then had with your father about Grissom and stuff um, with Kenneth, that is all that is thanks to dark ecologies. So there you go on that. Yeah. Just pull it back real quick, Dylan, for me. Um as, as I as you can tell in my my radio host capacity is to always define thoughts and questions and to, to our listeners who are listening probably they're wondering you know it's a very unique course you're talking about very very you're reading you're you're examining deep conceptual questions but what 
is dark ecology. Like, you know, what defines the darkness, you know, that comes with ecology? Um, and, and, and then maybe, you know, a follow-up question maybe I'll, that I'll ask is something relevant to news today is COP26 is, I believe, yeah, COP26, 20, right? Yeah, um, is coming up uh, soon in Glasgow, and they're going to be meeting and discussing, you know, big environmental um, changes and needs by the governments from around the world and international agreement potentially that may come out of it. Um, and what that could entail with what you've been studying in dark ecologies. Um, so anyways, let's start with defining dark ecologies, um, if that's all right, Dylan. Maybe you've written that down in one of your notes, or hopefully your professor in the very first class has addressed it. I hope, I hope. Or maybe it's a pondering, everlasting question that you need to figure out. We've touched on it briefly, yes, on the uh, first class, and then the syllabus has has uh, also touches on it a little bit in a maybe slightly more abstract way, but I, I think an interesting way maybe. So, like the uh, I'll read the last sentence of the syllabus for you guys, and maybe that'll help start to frame it. So, believing that engaged ecological criticism and practices have much to do with how one creatively engages the current crises via literature, ethnography, art, poetry, and other imaginative forms, the seminar will also give devoted attention alongside efforts to inform ourselves of the very contours of the ecological crisis we now face to the aesthetic and ethical dimensions of any possible eco-criticism now. So as I understand it, dark ecologies, it's dark because it's ecological criticism and, you know, thinking about environmental studies, environmental literature, you know, nature writing, these sorts of things in the shadow of the fact that the planet is warming, that we are, you know, facing the a sixth extinction. That was what we were talking about in class this week, right, is, um, you know, this idea that uh, a lot of a lot of different species of animals are disappearing from the face of the planet at the same time as the planet is warming, right? And so it's dark ecologies because it's in part, it's because it's eco-criticism, right, that is, that is um, you know, taking place at the same time as we are, you know, facing <laughs> challenges, you know, very important ecological, very important environmental challenges, right? Um, so, yeah, and so I think especially like that, any possible eco-criticism now, right, like trying to, you know, map out, like, how do we do this as as things are so severe as so important as this is you know a a a very a very important time right for environmental studies you know for for these sorts of uh questions right and so yes in part that and then as you said right so morton himself has also written written a book that is dark ecology right um that is is examining you know taking his pers particular perspective on ecology and environmentalism and again like i said you know some of his ideas about um ecology uh without nature and these sorts of things so yeah you know it's it's not just or maybe the attempt is is not just theoretical stuff right but like remembering that all of these writings, all these thinkings, this theory, the discussion the class is having is occurring at the same time as these are very real world problems uh, that, that will only get worse. 
you know, so dealing with that reality, I think, is part, <laughs> maybe, you know, a, a part of, of what makes it uh, dark, right? So the darkness, at least, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm hopefully I'm interpreting, interpreting this correctly, but um, darkness coming from the catastrophic issues and situations that people are facing, animals are facing, ecologies are facing around the world, right? Deforestation, mm-hmm. right? Droughts, um, you know, rising sea levels, um, you know, these is just because of a few degrees change, you know, that is causing these issues and uh, how do we face it, right? Of course, that's, that's, that's a very big one. It, and I, I will maybe assign an assignment for you, Dylan, is when you go to class, if you wouldn't mind asking your professor, maybe your class a little bit about what they think in terms of what can come out of COP26 and maybe maybe mm-hmm. a group of Columbia masters anthropology students can um you know, go to the, uh, I think UN, I don't know where the UN headquarters in New York, maybe go yeah. outside and wait for, you know, um, the general counsel to come out and talk to you about, you know, <laughs> what students are thinking about and what people are thinking about. I think that's very important. I, and I totally agree. That's, that's great. I, I um, also, you know, as I ponder and wander through the internet of, of dark ecology statements and questions, there's a, there's a LA, um, I believe this is a Los Angeles review of books written by Jennifer Peterson. She writes, um, reviewing dark Peter, uh, dark ecology by Timothy Morton says a mutable cloud. I love that, <laughs> that, that, that statement is well said, a mutable cloud on dark ecology and confessions of a recovering environmentalist and other essays. I think it's very, uh, straightforward to describe that, but, uh, yeah. Wow. A very, um, intense and eloquent course i think that uh, you're embarking on um maybe what, what's your next assignment what's your next reading that you can share with us maybe if you don't mind uh yeah so um it's actually a bit deferred because uh election day is a holiday for columbia so we don't have class i normally would have class every tuesday but i don't have class on the second of november so the next one is the 9th of november and so we are going to be reading some genuine classics so the theme of the class is toxic shocks so the first reading is the introduction um the first two chapters and the seventh chapter of mary douglas's purity and danger which uh i think a lot of anthropologists and a lot of anthropology students uh you know would be familiar with right um and then we are also going to be reading one of my personal favorite things that i have read before actually um, in my undergrad at UAF, uh, Freud's The Uncanny, uh, a very also very well-known um, essay in the social sciences. Um, so yeah, no, it's, uh, and you know, a couple other things, but those are the two that I'm really excited about. Um, and I'm sure that I will end up talking with them or talking with you about them, you know, and, uh, you know, about those themes and, and thinking with them in the coming weeks. So you know, we can bookmark that as, as conversations to be had down the line for sure. Bookmark and checked. So we've gone mm-hmm. over dark ecologies. Uh, after the break, uh, we're going to move on and talk about the two other classes. But you're listening to Speaking of Anthropology on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks. That's uh, Fry Bread Snack, and here on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks, 
we are listening to all sorts of music uh, as it can as it seems um, from a variety of genres but uh, speaking of anthropology is always here Friday 11 to noon here to serenade you into the weekend um, with tons of activities actually um, and I'm sure as Dylan is going to figure out and celebrate uh, you know Halloween in many ways here at UAF if you are a student and you're interested there are tons of events for you this weekend to celebrate Halloween uh, with some some of your fellow colleagues so starting today on October 29th uh, trick-or-treat creation night at has recreation will start at 7 p.m. and that's 7 p.m. trick-or-treat creation night uh, then followed at 9 p.m. Uh, in the UAF pub Rocky Horror Picture Show will be taking place so 21 and older go check that out on the 30th which is tomorrow Halloween dance and costume contest starting at 8 o'clock in the Hess Recreation Center. There is a cash prize for first place costume contest. Uh, registration can be found on the Student Activities NANIC Engage page. And then finally on the 31st, which is Halloween, Happy Halloween Day to everyone, Rocky Horror Picture Show will be shown again at Hess Recreation Center at 8 p.m. for those who cannot go to the pub because uh, you have to be 21 and older on the 29th. So Halloween festivities, busy, 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 busy weekend ahead of you um and as we take you into the weekend but we're here back on ksua and we're going to talk a little bit more about dylan's courses i think that's the the uh, show title today um and uh, we again real quick we want to thank all our listeners for tuning in on friday 11 to noon um goldie's a win award-winning show uh we're at 55 episodes now which is crazy to me and i think i think 55 yeah dylan dylan's eyes are uh <laughs> going wide open but uh yeah no 55 we've really gone through so many um great shows great guests talking about all sorts of great topics um relating to their work in anthropology and their research um, and then of course just life and music what do you listen to why are you interested in studying what you study but so we'll go back to Dylan, our wonderful co-host, and thank you, Dylan, for doing this show for so long and still doing it from broadcasting in the Bronx. But uh, yeah, we have a oh 56. I, I, I stand corrected. 56. Thank you, Dylan. Um, Dylan, so let's talk a little bit about your second course, War and Social Theory. Very, very interesting. Very, very self-explanatory. I think you as you mentioned earlier, um, but you know, maybe let's start with uh, what what's your next reading assignment for that class? Uh, yeah, okay. Thank you for uh, reminding me of all the evident work I have. Um, okay, well, yeah, it's it's a reading assignment that works with war and social theory. This is a heavy reading. It will be based on the title, so you know I will just say it for listeners, and we will go from there. Uh, but the reading for this week is Talal Assad's piece on suicide bombing. So, yeah, you know, it is, uh, like I said, war and social theory. It's very interesting class, but it is not always a um, happy or uh, uplifting <laughs> class necessarily, you know, dealing with these these very heavy topics like terrorism, suicide bombing, strategic bombing during the Second World War, right, which was obviously um you know, quite, quite severe and devastating to a lot of cities and around the planet, you know? So yeah, it's a very interesting, very serious topics that you, you know, we, we try and work through and, and um, give important weight to, and, you know, try and understand and consider, right. Because uh, obviously 
<laughs> you can't just ignore the serious depressing topics in the world right we'd be very bad anthropologists if we only focused on the good stuff right um you know and and so yeah it's uh i think it's you know an important important set of topics uh important set of topics for sure um but yeah, I think the one though that uh, I'll just preempt you because I, I think you were going to end up asking about it. So I'll preempt you and say, I think that the really interesting reading that folks probably um, would like to hear about that I mentioned earlier was the uh, a discussion that we did this week. And I, I actually, my assignment for this week was to lead the discussion on urban planning and how that uh, plays into war, right? And so this was focused specifically on um Beirut, right, the capital of Lebanon, which obviously is, uh, you know, as folks who might have been paying attention to news or who know history know, Lebanon has um, had some serious political crises now and has in the past, uh, including a 15-year civil war from 1975 to 1990. Uh, so this week we were discussing Hibabu Akar's piece for the war yet to come, planning Beirut's frontiers. And basically, um, it's a discussion of how urban planning and land purchases and land development in Beirut uh, and in the suburbs, largely in the suburbs of Beirut, um, are all basically operate under logics of, of trying to gain advantages if a future, well, for a lot of people, when a future civil war happens, reoccurs, right? When the new Lebanese civil war is fought, basically. Um, and the last Lebanese civil war basically ended as a sectarian conflict. So this is, um, you know, for folks who are unfamiliar with the history of Lebanon, maybe uh, it was basically at the end, a religious conflict between um, a couple of different groups. Uh, so the major religious groups in Lebanon are the uh, Shia, uh, which is a branch of Islam, Sunni, also another branch of Islam, um, the Druze, and then uh the Maronites, which are a Christian church. So uh, by the end of the war, it was basically a, um, a religious, what we call a sectarian conflict, a conflict between different um, religious groups uh, that are now political parties in modern Lebanon, right? Um, probably the most infamous one that people in the United States know is the Shia um, religious political party and uh, that has a militant wing, Hezbollah, right? Um, and so these parties are all involved basically in land purchases and land development and building new apartment buildings in zoning um, for municipalities. So what can or cannot be built in a given area, whether it's going to be um, a residential area and industrial area, these sorts of things. And so they're all disputed between these various religious political factions. Um, and basically, Bukhar's argument is that this is, you know, occurring as, as part of this process of preparing uh, for the, uh, the war yet to come, the future civil war. And so you build an apartment block now, and that can house people. But if it's on a hill, well, when the war yet to come happens, that apartment block is now a fortified strong point on high ground, right? And so it's not that these are... Um, you know, it's that these are one thing being um, converted to another per se, right? It's not that they're building forts that um, they disguise as apartment buildings or something, right? These are buildings that are both, that are two different kinds of structures, right, at the same time. And so part of the, you know, 
part of analyzing it is looking at how it's collapsing these distinctions between war and peace, right? When a building is simultaneously an apartment block and a sniper's nest, right? And so these these sorts of um, these sorts of issues. Uh, yeah, so that was that was our most recent reading and one that I was uh, helping, you know, that I had to uh, help lead the discussion on um, for the professor uh, this week. And it was uh, very, very interesting, especially when you consider, too, that while it is speaking to a very specific Lebanese um, context, very specific context for Beirut, obviously concerns about and discussions over um, militarization and securitization of public spaces. So, you know, um, military checkpoints or police checkpoints, uh, you know, designing infrastructure in such a way so that it can um, withstand violent acts, whatever those are, right? You know, I mean, like airport security, these are all things um, that, uh, you know, could be considered sort of in a similar way as, as planning for the next attack, basically, right? So, you know, these are, these are um, well, uh, the war yet to come is a very specific Lebanese context. The idea of inevitable future violence is one that we do see across the planet now and preparing for this inevitable future violence in um, infrastructure in urban landscapes and suburban landscapes um, is something that, uh, you know, can be seen in other parts of the world as well. So it is also interesting to consider in light of, um, you know, some of the commonalities as well. Uh, as obviously the very specific um, things that are speaking to a very, um, you know, fixed context of post-Civil War Beirut, you know, and this very specific history that Lebanon has had and the very specific political and sectarian differences there. So, yeah, that's been a, that was our most recent one that uh, I found really, really interesting. Yeah, I, I think a lot. Yeah, that's a, a, a definitely a lot of topics encompassed in why I mean, Immediately when you talk about urban planning and infrastructure as well, you know, thinking about the United States highway system, right, uh, foundationally built, you know, to transport large trucks <laughs> um, for war times and um, thinking about, um, I, I primarily think about infrastructure as transportation, right, Panama Canal, you know, the different canals around the world. How was that formed? Why was it formed to move people from different seas and parts of the ocean to different parts, right? Um, how about here in Alaska transportation or thinking about, uh, you know, flying over the North Pole rather than going all the way around, right? Uh, makes more sense in some, some cases or shipping, right? Um, we, we talk about, you know, intertwined with dark ecologies mentioned earlier, the melting ice leading to greater shipping passages and more shipping, you know, ways throughout different times of the year seasonally, right? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely very, very interesting. I, I do have um, one thought, I guess, maybe to add or, or to to to, quant, to quander or uh, sorry to ponder. Wow, that was a different word. I just create. Um, you know, when we talk about like war and social theory, you know, we're thinking about the potentiality for war at times, um, and we're looking at the historical references of what war has been and what is happening now around the world. Um, but you know, maybe what. You know, as a as a university student, what sorts of things, you know, you, you will get riled up and really, really emotional um, and, and really, really frustrated about some of these topics. But what sort of outlets do you think you as an anthropologist are able to kind of to, to walk through, you know, being in a class filled with students from around the world? Right. How, how can we address these issues in a very, very 
um, you know, respectful and meaningful way, if that makes sense, Dylan. Yeah, boy, isn't that a million dollar question? Yeah, you're you're always so good at that. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, well, it, so it almost still depends on on the kind of the way you're phrasing it is basically two different scenarios, right? So there's on the one hand, it's being able to talk about these things in in a classroom setting, right? Um, when they are obviously serious topics, they can be quite frustrating topics, you know. And I think part of that is, is you know, just being able to, um, it's it's a very common thing to say, but, you know, to breathe and, uh, you know, think things through and uh, to focus and to, you know, try and understand, right, and then engage with it. But there is also the other side, which is when it comes to outside of the classroom, right? And I think this is the important bit is, um, you know, I wouldn't say to people like, you know, well, to stop being mad about problems obviously right and so it's outside the classroom and it's then you know once you've um you've been thinking about things when you've you've uh you know discussed them with classmates with professors you know, with instructors you know you've dealt with them and the theory behind them and you're you know you're grappling with them and then you leave the classroom and it's like okay so you know what is the practical application of this right in in ethics and then um and certain strains of politics, right? That is the praxis of something, right? Is how do you implement it, right? And so, you know, I think then that um, for things that people really do care about, right? Whether that is, you know, uh, opposition to to armed conflict or, you know, um, civil rights issues, these sorts of things, right? Then that's, uh, when you when you care that deeply, then obviously I think you leave the classroom and then that's okay. So let's think about then, what I can do as a college student, right? Because, you know, the, there's plenty of, of, you know, college student-led protests or college student-involved protests and stuff or, you know, activism campaigns, you know, uh, plenty of plenty of things that students can do, you know, to, to, to channel that energy into like, okay, let's figure out how to change this then, right? Or, you know, to, to, to uh, ramify this, to make things better, you know, to alter the course of something, right? And so, you know, you just got to find like the way that you can channel your energies, your frustrations about a topic into something, you know, positive, practical that you can do to uh, help make the situation better, right? And so, yeah, it, it's it's kind of two different things because, you know, in the classroom, it's like, um, you know, it is talking about things, right? And it's trying to understand things and that is important and that is good. But I wouldn't say to people, well, you know, if you're really frustrated about something, just learn all about it and then don't do anything with that knowledge. Like, no, not at all. You know, I, <laughs> there's a lot of things I care for, you know, and care about quite deeply. Right. And, uh, you know, that would that would never be, I think, you know, advice is to just try and retreat and like make your your very stereotypical ivory tower of, well, I know all these things about it. So thusly, I have power over it or something. Right. Like, no, you know. Take your frustration, you know, and and find other people who care and, you know, uh, do, uh, you know, become an activist about it or, you know, protest about it or, you know, do whatever, whatever, you know, is, is um, you know, practical in, in the real world to, to also affect a change as well as, you know, learning and studying about it. Right. Um, but, yeah, you know, it all depends on the, the, the topic and what, you know, you as a person care about. Right. So I don't know. I'm hopefully that answers your question. That was, I think, a, a very way, a very good way of, of defining and kind of explaining what we as anthropologists, practicing anthropologists can and can't do, right? Um, there are limitations to your daily emotional 
you know, um, in, intelligence and capacity, right? And so being able to find time to, to find a good outlet, right? Um, be it through conversation, be it through learning, be it through publishing, be it through, um, you know, meeting new people and having these interesting thoughts and conversations arise and then potential collaboration into a big project, right? That's what anthropology is all about. That's what um, this meeting is all about. So uh, we're, we're approaching the end of the show and we, we briefly need to touch on that last class. And of course, this could be a two hour show easily, but we are 11 to noon Fridays speaking of anthropology here on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks. But Dylan, take us home real quick and then we'll play our last music and send our um, listeners off into the weekend. But that last class, let's talk about it. Uh, you had a simpler way of defining it, I think. Human and animals, the yeah, relationship. Yeah. Let's talk about let's, it. <laughs> let let us talk about it. Last ones. Uh, yeah. So there's um, the formal name, right? Is is uh, political human animal studies, right? But it is human animal studies, right? And so you know, trying to understand how animals are thought about, how they're constructed, how they're interacted with, what they're, uh, you know, used for or viewed as, right, in in human cultures and human society, um, you know, in philosoph philosophical writing. So we started off the class with, um, at the beginning of the semester, with some Heidegger, right, you know, uh, which is, uh, you know, dense to, you know, uh, and, and, then we got we read some Derrida, which is maybe even you know, uh, denser Deleuze and Guattari, right? So you know some very philosophically heavy stuff, um, you know, continental philosophy as as some people would refer to it as, uh, you know. So that's how we start off the class with like, these philosophical questions of viewing and understanding animals and and these sorts of things. But that was a deliberate choice uh, by the professor's part, and then we have now moved into this philosophically more you know yes theory driven but also like referencing um uh real world examples you know or or historical examples so uh last week i helped lead the discussion on animals in religions of the book so animals in the three abrahamic faiths looking at you know how um the uh jewish uh you know the hebrew bible uh, what's uh you know the tanakh right um the christian bible and then the quran all uh you know use animals in in their writings and the traditions that each of those three religions of judaism and christian islam how animals are you know viewed and constructed and were thought about like um one piece was on memluks and animals veterinary medicine and medieval islam right uh, another was on Israel's companion species and the creation of Bibles, you know, so just trying to understand, like, you know, how are the animals being written about? What are people, you know, doing with the animals and what is, you know, like, so <laughs> that last piece I mentioned, Israel's companion species and the creation of Bibles, it's about both, you know, like goats and sheep in um, the Tanakh, right? But it's also about, uh, like, the beginning of the piece opens with the fact that, um, you know, like the Dead Sea Scrolls are written on uh, goat skin, right? And so animals aren't just written about, but they're also <laughs> what is being used to write these stories as well, right? You know, the, used to write the Bible, used to write um, these important religious texts. And so, you know, it's, uh, you know, just trying to unpack and understand a little bit um, these sorts of relations, uh, right? 
between animals and between humans, you know, and, and that was just one week, right? So then this week was taxonomy and the idea of mythical animals. So looking at folk taxonomies and stuff, how people um, view, uh, consider animals, uh, you know, in various cultures as well. Uh, you know, so one reading was on um, coyote is not a metaphor on decolonizing, reclaiming and renaming, which obviously is, is um, speaking to certain specific um, American Indian traditions in North America, right? But obviously the ideas of looking at how um, an animal person like um, coyote first person is constructed, how that is, um, you know, uh, present in oral traditions and stuff, and then how that can be reclaimed and decolonized is also, you know, those are broader issues that can speak well both to human animal studies and also to like very Alaskan um, issues as well, right? Of of reclaiming oral traditions and these sorts of things. So you know, it's been a very uh, a very interesting mix of all kinds of things. You know, some philosophical stuff, some theoretical stuff, as well as you know, um, some uh, some of that praxis I was talking about. Some of the more practical, um, uh, real world, you know, ethnographic, physical, these kinds of things, examples as well. So it's been very interesting. Many topics, many thoughts. Um, I think about here in Alaska, at least here at UAF, right? The One Health program might be this closest thing to connecting these dots together, right? What is human, animal, ecology, environment, landscape, everything, food, you know, um, subsistence, all of these combined together into one conversation. Lots to talk about there. Lots more to always, always think about here on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks, speaking of anthropology. Um, we want to thank you all for tuning in today, Dylan. I'm sorry. I, 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 that was perfect. Like that was a perfect definition. I don't, I don't, I have no more questions. <laughs> uh, I'm glad. Yeah, no, that was my goal was to, to try and maybe offer a, a, a good succinct explanation of the classes for the listeners. And hopefully, you know, the listeners found it interesting and maybe there are some topics that they want to dive into just as we, as you said, always have more topics that we want to dive into here on the speaking of anthropology. And so we will be doing that again next week, you know, every week, 11, Friday, 11 to noon on uh, KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks. So we're going to send you guys off with uh, the last two songs from our six selections today um, so that you can enjoy. And for those who are in Fairbanks, actually, it's just starting to snow. So enjoy some of this. Uh, the song called Rain Dance. Uh, again, another rap music um, rap selection from Lil Mike and uh, Funny Bone. And then, of course, Dylan's last song, uh, Big Iron, to take us out for the weekend. But uh, Dylan, mm -hmm. thank you so much again. And uh, best of luck with all your classes. I'm sure you're going to enjoy them and you're going to have more to report on. And we're going to be reflecting upon it this whole uh, semester, rest of the semester. So, Absolutely. Thank you.